Hello and welcome to SMPD, the podcast where we look back at the cartoons that shaped our childhood. I am Chris Bolton. With me, as always, my cartoon companion, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And we are sort of kicking off spooky season a little bit early. Like we're in October now, so I think it's fair to say yeah, that fair. we can dive in. And, and you know we love Halloween on the network. We love a bit of spooky season. But as always, we have a theme for you. And there was a show that kind of fits Halloween, but just didn't fit our theme this year and it didn't fit our theme last year so we've decided you know what fuck it we're just gonna have an early run into spooky season this year and we're gonna look back at disney's gargoyles yeah now this one i mean it's been kicking around our list for a while i think it's been kicking around our list since the start oh Um, yeah yeah now i i was aware of the show and i had a fairly loose memory of what it was wasn't really that familiar with it and then when i put it on so i think i put it on on saturday might have been sunday and within about three minutes, I don't remember the show at all, but fuck me. Why it's did I not watch this show? It's fucking, I'm, like, I'm not going to bury the lead. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think the thing for me is that I, it would have come at a time, I mean, it was, it was out in 94, so probably, probably here in 95. Now, that was about the time where, over, no, over weekend, I was playing football and playing rugby, so I didn't have time to watch stuff in the mornings before I went out. Um, so I, I possibly would have seen like the odd bit here and there um just because you know, if there was a weekend i wasn't playing or you know or, uh, or no, we didn't have a game or whatever then uh, tv would be on but i i wasn't so super familiar with it and then yeah i watched I, I i only watched the first the five part of the start of the first season um just because time dictated otherwise and you know, kids and family and you know, work and stuff um but yeah within the, sort of the opening five minutes i was absolutely hooked yeah i mean i um I've watched the entire first season. I've made a start in the second season as well. I am going to watch it all, um, which I say, I, I've said that about the last few shows that we've done, but like this one, I, like, I'm binge watching this. Oh, I, I'm doing I that this, this been week. Able, yeah, I have not been able to stop watching this show, um, which is actually part of the reason it's on the list. I also have um, a bit of a weird relationship with this in that I didn't watch it a lot when it was out. Um, I went to Disney World for the second time around about 1997 ish late 96 early 97 i think and that was the first exposure that i had to gargoyles because this was a citv show over here um now as previously discussed uh, on the pod i didn't watch a lot of citv i was more of a bbc guy and you know by this point i was definitely nickelodeon like if anything at all you know because i'm 15 16 at this point uh, and I, I just remember walking around Disney World and, and it must have been uh, what I now know is the third season was being just there was promo stuff everywhere. And that's one thing Disney really, really good at, especially on property, is just plastering their stuff all over the buses, all over the billboards. So I'm seeing gargoyles everywhere and I'm seeing merch for it. And, you know, again, as we've discussed at length on some of the other shows, I I love monsters. I have a thing for monsters and monster movies and monster stories. It's something that appeals to me greatly. So I'm looking at all this fucking artwork and it was the logo with Goliath on it. I'm like, what is this show? This looks awesome. So I managed to find some of it uh, in syndication on the American TV. Well, right then I watched a couple of episodes. Absolutely loved it. Came back home and I was like, right. I, and this is this is in the days before we were torrenting shit and what have you. Right. I came back home and I had my skybox and the TV. Right. So I'm spinning yeah. around it looking for this fucking gargoyles. And I eventually fall upon it on CITV. However, the show that I was then watching on CITV by the time I'd found it and we, we're months and months removed by this point 
was a very different show to what I watched in America. And I never understood why uh, until now, until we've started doing this episode, when I actually now know that the third season is completely removed and isn't actually considered canon by anybody. Um, so that that's what had happened. I'd obviously caught early shows in, in syndication when I was in America. I came back, watched the ones on CITV, and actually it wasn't all that great. I still enjoyed it um, because, again, it's playing to everything that I like, and I love the way this show looks as well. Mm. So I was all about it, um, but it never really grabbed me then because I'd seen more of what we now know is actually called um, Gargoyles, Goliaths, Goliath whatever Chronicles. it is, Goliaths Chronicles, yeah, um, as opposed to the actual show, uh, yeah. which was the show that I'd first fallen in love with when I was out in Disney World. So, yeah, as soon as we started putting this list together of cartoons to remember, this I think this has always just been trundling around in the back mm. of my mind of like, what was it about Gargoyles that I'd I missed when I came back so I, I chucked it on the list um and I, since Disney Plus has launched and it's been on there it's been on my watch list of like right I need to get into Gargoyles I need to get into Gargoyles yeah. so as soon as we put it on like we decided we put it on the schedule and it was coming up I dove straight in and that was about we've had this on the schedule for about a month or more now because yeah. you know we, we start do, planning now yeah we do plan in advance and I've been on a holiday and stuff so we had to get our schedule sorted and so I've watched a lot more of it than I usually would. But even were we watching this with with the week's lead in, I think I like from episode one, <laughs> like you say, from the from the opening narration where you get Goliath's opening narration, I'm like, all right, this is fucking cool. I'm in. Um, but then when you actually get into it, when it grabs you, that that opening five parter, especially like it's just it's a TV movie, basically. Yeah, it, it is. And I mean, I, I I kind of likened it to all the all the sort of the Marvel stuff, the DC stuff we had over the last couple of years. Um, it's it's a, it's an origin story, but it's done in such a way that you you're actually engaged in it, and it's not you're not going right. I know where this is going, and no, he's going to become Batman, he's going to become Spider Man, whatever. You're watching and thinking, what the fuck is this? And it looks really atmospheric. Yeah. I mean, it, it owes a lot to um, like um, to the um, Batman animated series. Oh, there's, very much so. No, in terms of the palette and things like that, it's, yeah, it, it's very, it's very visually similar, similar to that. Um, but you're watching it, and you're thinking, actually, there's some really fucking high concept stuff here as well. You know, there's a lot borrowed from Shakespeare. There's no, there's there's a lot of no, there's there's a lot of stuff in there. You're thinking this is in a kids' cartoon from the early '90s. This doesn't belong here, but fuck me, they've really stuck the landing. And I yeah. think that juxtaposition you get, so right at the start where you get the um, the pre-credits bit where you've got um, uh, Detective Mars are down on the street and then you get the, ro- the rocks falling and the, the, so the explosions overhead, all this sort of stuff. You think, fuck me, right, okay, this, this is really going somewhere. And, you know, you get these of the um, the end of that um, that section where, you know, what no, what what has claws sharp enough to drag you know, to, to make a mark in solid rock? Mm. And then the next thing you get, you, know, you go back to you know, uh, 10th century Scotland and you're like, right, okay, we can forget about all that now. And by the time you get into that story, you do actually forget about all the modern day stuff. And you're yeah. you're so in, you're so invested in it. And like from right at the beginning, though, no, you've got the you know you've got the uh, the Viking invaders, and there's the, the fact that they're outsiders. Even though it's their you know it's their castle, and they've been no, it's, it's their cliffs, and they've been on the on these cliffs for, for for centuries. And the humans have come and built a castle, and so but they're outsiders. They're not welcome. All this sort of stuff. There's a lot to unpack in that first episode, but actually, Masses. I mean, what's an episode? Twenty minutes, if that. Yeah, twenty twenty-five. So and uh, they're not very long. You you get I, you get to that point, and so that, so that first five is just, you know it's to be continued, and you're, oh fuck, right, okay, where am I going next? And it's so well pitched, it's so well paced, and then it doesn't really 
do it justice now because obviously um, you're binging it and you're watching it and you're just watching it back to back to back. But at the time where you'd have had one a week and you get the previously on Gargoyles, just like you yeah. get with syndicated television and you'd get, you know, you'd get with uh, proper network television. They're throwing you straight into it and, you know, throwing them that that's the dichotomy of the, of the old world and you now and the present day. And straight away, oh, yeah, I need to see this. Where's this going? Mm. And you know, without even hesitating, so I, I think it was Sunday um, I put this on. And literally, I sat down and I was just like, right, okay, I'll, I'll watch a couple. Didn't read, I hadn't done any reading, I hadn't done any research, so I didn't realize it was a, a multi part at the start. I should have known because that's what Disney used to do. But yeah, the, I put the first one, I was like, and I thought, I'll watch a couple just to get enough, you know, get enough, enough sort of familiarity with it. I can talk about it. Next, next, next. And I just, I was like, fuck, right, okay. And I only stopped because everybody came home. Yeah. And I couldn't hear the TV. I was like, oh, right, okay. Then. Yeah, I mean, and, and that continues, um, certainly all the way through the first season as well. Like, it, it is one continuous narrative arc, which is something that, you know, we we lord shows for this show. When, when we get a show that has a continuous narrative, yeah. especially in a cartoon, we're always like, it, it's something that we should really praise. Um, but what this actually does, and, and you, you've sort of alluded to it already, um, this is masterfully crafted. Like the writing in this is yeah. absolutely like it, it hits all the right beats at all the right times. And yeah, yeah. that opening, you're dead right. You know, had we cold opened in medieval Scotland, you know, yeah. particularly because we want kids to watch this as well. Yeah. This is not a kid show. All no, right, there, I mean, there are elements which make where... it child friendly, perhaps. Yeah, but it's very dark though, and I think there are elements to it as well. I mean, if you I think mean, of the time, it's fucking violent as well. Never mind, it, it, it is dark. like it's um, ridiculously and it's, and it's not sort of stylized. It's not stylized violence either. I mean, right Ooh. at the start of the first episode, where one of them catches a sword and he's his hand bleeding. Yeah, and so they're, no, they're not indestructible, and all of a sudden it's that pelt arrows and shit. But I mean, this this has come at a time. This is this postdates things like turtles, yeah. which. Again, that no, that was insanely popular at this point. It'd gone on to do what it was doing. Power Rangers was similar sort of time. So all of a sudden, you had these, you had these shows which did have these slightly long, slightly larger narratives, slightly bigger narratives. But of all the stuff we've rewatched and or watched in the first instance, in this case, you look at this and you think, "Fuck me, this is an actual narrative arc." Oh, yeah. With so many yeah. strands and so many characters, and no, it's it's not yeah. just a case of well, this is Goliath's story. This is right. Well, we've got no. We've got the origins of all the other characters. The other characters weren't important enough to have names, and then they gave themselves names. Or they they, they realised that they're in the modern world that they needed names. They needed some sort of identifier. And there's a really um, a really nice gag in there where um, I can't. I think it's Hudson is talking to um, to Martha, and he's saying, "Does the sky have a name? Does the river have a name?" Yeah. And he said, "Well, the sky is the sky. Yeah. That's that's already its name." Uh, so it's a really nice joke. And then she said, "Well, the river's called the Hudson." And then obviously he takes that name for himself. So I mean that's not, there's some really nice work there, some really clever work there. But it's just it's setting up the fact that it's not just going to be a one and done show. It's not going to be episode of the week. It's not going to be monster of the week. It's going to be a show which is no, it's taking itself as seriously as something that Power Rangers did, where they said, right, we're going to have that arc with the Green Ranger. We're going to do. We're going to have this 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 overarching villain. But actually, no, we're going to going to feed into that and keep coming back to that in in, way, in different ways every week. And. I think for me, a lot of the stuff we've watched and certainly the Disney stuff we've watched, it's all good and it all holds up, but it doesn't have those through lines, mm. which yeah, this, exactly. one, this does. I mean, the biggest problem I had with this is that it really needs a remaster. Yes, it's looking, um, it's looking it's rough look, on It's Disney looking Plus. very, I mean, it's yeah. it's looking as though they've gone, right, we, we've got the property, we're going to put it, we'll put it on Disney Plus because we will put everything on there, but we're not going to go out of our way to, 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 to upscale it and put it in HD and recolorize it and all the rest of it. They've gone, right, this is it. This is how it's going on, and as a result, then watching it, watching on HD TV or a computer monitor or even a, even a tablet, you're looking and thinking, "Fuck, that's really grainy." It's really, you know, it doesn't do it justice. 
um and i think that's my biggest problem with like even like, the animation is very no it's very slick you don't get you don't get any glitches you don't get re- repeated or drop frames it's all very slick and very smooth and i think it, it disney have let it down by letting it degrade in the way they have and not put it out there in a format that actually make that does it justice yeah, I mean, it is. I had done quite a lot of reading on this um, because I, I completely, completely just fell madly in love with this show. Mm. I, I've gone way down the rabbit hole. So I've done all of the reading with it as well. So we, we can get into the way it's been treated by Disney, um, actually, because it does tie into a lot of things that we've spoke about on our on our other Disney shows as well. But, yeah, just just circling back around, as I say, with, with that opening and, and, and just the way that this is structured, you know, had we cold opened in Scotland, you're not going to grab a child's attention because yeah. that's fucking olden times. So well, well that's it. They know, and, and no, with the greatest respect, well, kids are stupid. They're not going to be able to relate to that. Yeah. They might have a passing interest if there's a dragon or something like that. But re- but realistically, they'd be going right. There's monsters in a castle on a hill. Yeah, whatever. Exactly. Whereas actually, you set this in present day New York, and there's 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 a firefight going on. You've got explosions at the top of a spooky tower with clouds all around it. Oh fuck, what's this? And it's it's the golden rule as well. You know, we we talked about it at length on on Game of Moans. But, you know, the, the golden rule of opening the scene is that you start in the middle of a scene. And that's yeah. exactly what they do. You know, we get we get Goliath's opening narrative just to set us up and tell us what the world is yeah. um, and the crash. But then we're in like we, we're in the middle of this battle in in New York, this firefighting, this this stuff falling off buildings. We know what the hell's happening. And then we flash back. Then we get our origin story. And then we come full circle. So it's very well structured for that. It grabs your attention straight away, yeah. then introduces these characters to you. Um, and then, yeah, we go on this perfectly paced five-part narrative arc, hmm. uh, which then concludes, but then the rest of the season carries those through lines. Yeah. And uh, Xanatos just continues to appear throughout the season, albeit in jail for the next two or three episodes. Yeah. So, and it does that thing which... So often, I think we we credit Buffy for popularizing, and I, and I'm guilty of that more than anybody, God knows. Um, but that is just like having actual continuity in TV yeah. shows, which was something that was very rare before this time in the early nineties. And Buffy was one of the first sort of episodic shows that really did that, where actions had consequences. Yeah. And you know, if somebody, for instance, got an arm broken one week, then they would be in a plaster cast the next week. It doesn't just magically heal itself. Yeah. And this does that, you know, Xanatos goes to jail, so he has to fucking stay in jail. And yeah. his assistant has to look after his estate, which means the gargoyles can kick around there for a couple of weeks before actually, oh shit, Xanatos is out. Mm. Now we're going to lose the castle. Yeah. You know, and there's there's an absolutely just, this is one of the best animated episodes I have ever, ever seen. There is an episode uh, about halfway through season one, which starts off innocently enough. Um, probably slightly spoilers for you, you know, because I'm a bit ahead of you. But this, we've got to talk about this because it's yeah. it blew me away. Um, it, I, I'm putting it up there with like Heart of Glass. Okay, it, it blew me away. Uh, Heart of Ice. Sorry. Um, so it, it starts innocently enough with um, Broadway's really into cinema now. So he breaks into a theater and and he's getting obsessed with westerns with with John Wayne and westerns and Clint yeah. Eastwood. And so uh, then he goes to visit Mazza. Um, who says, oh, make yourself comfortable and I'm just going to grill you up some steaks because, of course, he likes food. Yes, yeah? so this is a knockabout episode. Yeah, no, at the same time, she's just shaking down a mob boss over an illegal arms deal that he's doing with Xanatos, right? So she's got a hard on for taking down this mob boss. So we've got all of our elements there. And then they execute Chekhov's gun perfectly because he goes in and she's a cop. She's off duty. Her gun's just lying around. He's just seen a Western. So he yeah. picks it up, starts playing around with the gun. Of course, it goes off. I, I just 
the way they frame this as well, because she's got it back to him the whole time in the kitchen, making this steak, and we're on his frame, and the gun goes off, and you just hear the plate shatter, mm. and then they hold on him, and then his expression changes, and then you hear him calling a name, and then you just see her lying there in a pool of blood. Now, this is one of our main characters, mind you, who then spends mm. the rest of the episode in ICU fighting for a life. Whilst he's now carrying all of the guilt of doing this, whilst Goliath's got the wrong end of the stick because he thinks the mob boss has performed a hit on us, they're going out to take the mob boss down. And there's all of these elements coming together mm. to eventually deliver what is in the fucking very early 90s, mind you, a strong flag-in-the-sand gun control episode mm. in a children's show Yeah, um, that has, again, been executed perfectly. But then not only that, the next couple of episodes... Yes, she recovers, of course, but the next couple of episodes, she's on fucking crutches mm. because and then they give her a partner because now the chief doesn't think she can be trusted on her own because she's being shot. So obviously people are out for her. Yeah, so and it, actions have consequences in this show in a way that so few shows allow yeah. them to. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've, I've not seen that one. I've, I've been reading ahead. I think that's... Um... That's only sort of two or three ahead of what uh, where I've got to. So I have I have read the sort of the synopses of the episodes in the season. I had read that and I was going to bring that one up oh. because, as you said, it's a very firm flag in the sand. And it was at a time where you did see a lot in the news and a lot of so sort of more sort of high end kids, sort of high, higher age kids shows and sort of, you know, the, sort of the tween and the, and the early teen shows. And they, they did gun episodes where you know, little Jesse had a gun or little, no, mm. little Jesse's friend found his father's gun. And he was playing with it and it went off and. So no, nobody got shot, but they couldn't know they could have been hurt. Not so. It, at, this was at a time where you did get a lot of that. You know, you did have these. Um, you there there were a lot of accidental shootings in the US where kids found daddy's gun and it was yeah. loaded because you know clearly the bad men are all going to break in and rob us and murder us in our sleep. So my, no, I I need a pistol under under my pillow. And so it, 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 this was at that sort of time. So I mean, it's as you say, it's a very clear flag in the sand that actually, and no, and you expect something like that from Disney. Um, yeah. that you know, if there's a point to be made, they'll make it. Yeah. Um, but how well it's executed and how how carefully it's done, um, generally it's no, it's it's not ever done that well. So I mean, I, that, so, I mean, once once we finish here, I'll be going back and watching probably the rest of the season. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's you know, the, the there was an awful lot to be said um, in in the first couple of episodes that I did watch, and the whole thing of you know, of there were some very classist things. There was you know, some overtly racist thing, you know, overtly racist themes into it. And yeah, it, it was. It's very much a case of right. This is a kids' show, but no, we've we've had Turtles, which had a bit of an edge. We've had Batman, which had a bit of an edge to it. We need to do something that's a bit less Disney. We don't want another. We don't want Mickey Mouse in something. We don't want another Chip and Dale, mm. which no Chip, no Rescue Rangers had. You no, know, had a uh, had some uh, slightly more nefarious characters to it, but by and large, it was still a kids' show. Whereas yeah. this, they've kind of gone right. Okay, it's um, it's a kids show, and it's and and the third season they did did move to when they bought ABC they they stuck it in their Saturday morning block, um. But I mean when it's when this first aired the second season I think the only reason it it, it declined in popularity because it was on directly against the news with the OJ trial, yeah. So it was never going to compete with that because even if you know, even if you've got kids who are desperate to watch this show, fuck off! I want to watch OJ Simpson go to jail. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So so, and, yeah. and, so I mean, it's it was that no, it was that sort of time of night that they were showing it as well. So it, it was like oh, directly before the news, so people were on the other channel and stuff like that. But it was you know they they went out of their way to make a product which they said right, which was right. Okay, it's not it's not your average fluffy kids show. Oh, no, it's kids need to no, kids need to learn about the world, and we can do it in a way that's no, it's not real. So no, the, no gargoyles don't come to life during the night. So no. 
we're setting it in a world which is that we know of i don't sleep i'd have seen them by now um but you know it's it, it's it's that thing where we can set it in an unrealistic world so you know it's not happening you know it's not real but actually there's some shit you need to know kids mm. life ain't always fair life ain't always good not everybody is is what they seem some people will pretend to be your friend some people will try and make out they're helping you or actually they're using all this sort of stuff that's in there and these themes that kids wouldn't have seen before no it's got all the the hallmarks and we will come back actually to 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 the Disney of the time and how the show performed and where it came from. Cause as I said, I've done the reading and it ties into a direct interest of mine that we've talked about at length on our other Disney shows yeah. as well. Um, ties in specifically to one man. Um, <laughs> everybody knows what I'm talking about already, but we'll talk <laughs> about it when we get there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, thematically it, it hits all of those hallmarks of, of the classic Gothic monster story. Yeah. It, 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 it's got everything. It's got the fear of the outsider, um, you know, it, it's got, you know, hum- monsters as a mirror to humanity. Yeah. It's got everything that, that you're looking for. It, it's sort of this, this almost unrequited love there. Um, they, they ditch that quite early on. Yes. Kind of, that's almost in there as well. You know, it's, you could argue there's possibly even elements of Beauty of the Beast thrown in there as well. And yeah. some gothic romance. It's got everything that I love about monster movies um but especially you know for for younger kids when this is being programmed you know at, at a time when they could watch it uh, and market it at a time where yes they can watch it um, these are things they won't have been exposed to and yeah it's dealing yeah. with these really lofty themes that are really opening their eyes up to things but then for us as an adult audience and like that was the, that was the end for me then and it was what really really grabbed me now watching this time it's like especially this time of year as well like i'm just about still off work at the moment because i've just come back from holiday so i'm just about to dive headlong into a universal monsters marathon because why wouldn't you so i and like this is this is teeing me up perfectly like you know you everything that that you get in frankenstein and bride of frankenstein it's all here as well yeah. like i said you've got all that fear there you've got you know what is human and who am i and how do i fit in this society you've got you've got the sort of all right they're not men but you've got the man of time aspect to it as well now where yeah. we're examining our culture through an outsider because they've been sort of encased in granite for the last thousand years or whatever it is yeah. it's got everything and 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 it you know again it would be very easy to throw that away as a you know as a storytelling tool and as a, and as a gag device it would be very easy to see ah well they've never seen tv before ah well they've never seen a motorbike before yeah but they don't just use it cheaply like that they they really do go into depth on well okay well what is tv then and how does it affect the world around us and hmm. what are the consequences of riding a motorbike and actually what are the stereotypes that we get associated with bikers and are they correct and yeah. why are bikers like that and that sounds like a lot to pack into an animated show in half yeah. hour but they manage it and they manage it beautifully they they definitely do i mean um the one thing that stru- the other thing that struck me with it is that this 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 was 94 to 97 and this was a direct precursor to hunchback notre dame yeah, and again, a lot of those themes that they explore in this show, and they do so well with the show, they they really do um, take and expand on in in that movie. Um, again, the whole thing of the outsider, you know what you know, what am I? What, you know, if I'm not human, and all the rest of it. You know, so there are there's a lot of that in there as well. So, and I, I I I wouldn't say that without this show, there wouldn't be that movie because the story's already there anyway. I mean, Disney of the time were they were dragging in as many classics as they could and and making and making movies out of them. All power to them because what they did. Was, usually great um so i mean you'd have had it anyway but there's there's a lot 
a lot of similarities and and not just with the set, some of the set, some of the the darker aesthetic in Touchback Notre Dame does have similarities to this as well. So again, some of the some of the palettes, some of the um, when you're looking at the uh, the gargoyles and the cathedral, they've got some very um, some very definite lines um, which are borrowed from this as well. So you can you can see there's an influence to it, even if it's not um, if it's not a direct result of. There's very much an influence. We're okay. Well, that's kind of what gargoyles look like. So we can we can borrow from that. We can use the same the same technique or the same principle, even if they're not drawn the same. Oh, they don't look the same. We can draw them in the same way to you know, to show, to show people that yeah, this is what gargoyles look at. Like. This is what a monster looks like in real life. You know all this sort of stuff. So there's there's some interesting um, correlations there as well. I thought. Yeah, I mean, there's actually I don't. One thing I haven't been able to find too much detail on actually is the production process of the show. Um, oh, well, yeah, I found a bit on that. Cool. Okay, because one yeah, it's interesting you touched on that because one of the things that was jumping out at me was how it very much cements itself as a disney product it's it's like disney again wants to stick its flag in the sand and say no actually this is ours i know it doesn't look like it should be disney hmm. but this is ours you know constantly they get hudson flicking around the telly and he'll land on a donald duck cartoon or uh, an episode of DuckTales, or hmm. like so disney exists canonically within the universe of gargoyles for one yeah. um but then there is also like you mentioned, the similarities to Hunchback, but I think also in, in the character designs and I don't know, possibly even in some of the animations, it depends whether it's done in-house or not, but there are, Goliath especially, there are elements of the beast yes. in his character design, you know, the way he walks on his yeah, horses. Yeah, his, his stature, his gait, yeah. Yeah, so his, the way he wraps his that. wings around himself like a cloak, you know, yeah. he's he's very much the beast. Yeah. Um, you know, so the, there's the tie in there. And then, of course, voiced by Keith David, who works with Disney a lot and then would go on to become Dr. Facilier. But that is way in the future yeah. from when this is being made. But there is a lot of very uniquely Disney things in this. And, and there's a lot that you can see tied in. And again, you you know, you mentioned thematically tying into Hunchback. And yes, you're correct there. But there's also, again, those thematic ties to Beauty and the Beast then um, yeah. with, with the relationship between Mamaza. There's also even elements of if you want it and you want to go looking for it. And I do because I'm a Disney nerd. There's elements even of things like Little Mermaid and Bambi yeah. in there as well, where it's like, well, actually, what is the human world like? Because it looks like a right fucking tire fire from where I am. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and there's that in it as well. Like, there is that judgmental side of, well, they're the humans and, and yes. they're constantly called the humans, you know, because yeah. they're making and, a mess and, of things. Yeah. And they're very much not to be trusted and we don't like yes. them. And, yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's, all it's almost, well. I mean, it's, it's almost sort of, and as you say, it's, it's a very Disney thing, but they play off that as, um, if you look back at sort of the, um, the, the you go back to the late 18th, early 19th century writers, people like Edward Said, where they're talking about, uh, the Orient and the other and stuff like that. It sort of flips that on its head and it goes, well, actually, no, this is no, from our perspective, they have, no, they're the ones you know, that are different. They're the other, they're the ones that are wrong. And just put, no, just flipping that sort of narrative on its head. And it, as a viewer, it makes you very uncomfortable. Yes, um, certainly, certainly as an adult viewer, um, as, as a mm -hmm. kid, probably wouldn't have noticed, but and I, I say probably because I don't, I say I didn't watch it, but as an adult viewer, you look at this thing, fuck yeah that's a lens we really don't want to be looking through that's something that's a, that's a way we don't want to be portrayed and yeah. you, you you move forward um and not just with this show but you know we get into into sort of the more environmentally conscious stuff of the of the early orts and stuff like that we're actually you now we look at stuff like wally um mm -hmm. yeah humans are the humans are the fucking problem yeah yeah exactly and, and it, it's and always again. the way and then going back to um not so much little mermaid but certainly beauty and the beast it's the people that are the problem. It's not the fuck. It's not the savage. It's not the beast. Pocahontas. It's the civilized people who are the problem. Yeah. And yeah, all yeah. the way through, it, it. I say it's such a Disney thing. Mm. 
and and again it is yeah you're right it, it inverts that kind of classic fear of the other which you know again depending on what you're going looking for and what kind of monster movie you like and i do like both sides of this camp but you know if you're going for something like your traditional uh vampire movie or something like that where the fear of the other is very or a zombie film where the fear of the other is very much us being attacked and you are afraid of that thing yeah then fine what this does is it goes that kind of uh sort of tragedy horror route that gothic horror route of of a frankenstein yes. or a mummy or something like that where it's like well yeah but actually this this thing is monstrous because we've made it monstrous yeah. we're the other here this thing is just frankenstein's monster is just trying to exist yeah you know and and, and that's what this is as well these gargoyles are just trying to exist they would happily be left alone but we can't because they look different and yeah. we're our souls so we it's them afraid of us it just so happens that they're able to rip us apart if they want to yeah you know um, and again talking about the violence you mentioned it earlier with them grabbing the sword and the blood and i mentioned maza getting shot and you know she's lying there in a pool of blood all of the humans are firing guns all the fucking time and they yeah. don't shy away from it mm. like they don't you know a lesser show um or a more conscientious show you could argue then that was careful around network censorship and things at the time as well would never allow a gun to be directly fired on screen at another human or another living, living sentient yeah. being even it would always be you'd have to fire a laser gun at a robot or something like yeah. that or it'd be a way around firing gun it would just be knocked out of their hand or whatever they don't do that they do not shy away from that here at all people are firing guns left right and center and they fucking kill people if you get hit with a bullet, yeah. you is dead. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Like, and it, it really... it's interesting actually when you get to the third season, um, so the Goliath Chronicles. So that that was done. Um, they weren't expecting to get that third series, um, of the third season, and it came just after the purchase of ABC. So they they needed content, so they commissioned that see that season. But then the third season, you don't get the guns, um, being fired because there's a hot no, It's on all of a sudden. It's on national broadcast television. Yeah. So standards and practices are entirely different. And you can't, same reason you haven't elsewhere, you cannot get away with that on a Saturday morning kids show. No. So all of a sudden it's like, right, okay, that was another thing that made it a completely different show. Yeah. And, and there's also uh, a massive, now is the time to talk about this, there's a massive cultural shift within the company at exactly yeah. that time between yeah. seasons two and three. What you have is Frank Wells passes away, unfortunately. Um, which leaves Eisner steering the company. And for as much as I've I've sung his praises from a creative standpoint, and yes, he's a very divisive person, I know. Uh, but I think creatively, he was very, very good for the company. Yeah. And the problem was, as soon as he all of a sudden had to run the ship entirely on his own, he lost his fucking marbles. He completely took his eye off the ball and lost yeah. his marbles. And there is no shying away from that. So what you have in the meantime is people that would have been directly involved with the production of this show at the time. Um, you'd have had people like Katzenberg, I would imagine. I don't know what the production staff exactly was, but Katzenberg would have had some input to mm. the first two series of this show, I would have thought. And he's one of the first casualties because Eisner falls out with him immediately and Katzenberg just goes, well, fuck you then. I'm off over here and I'm going to do my own thing and dreamworks is born yeah again you make your own mind up i have a very unpopular opinion when that's concerned i i do not like dreamworks animation studios at all and i don't really rate katzenberg if i'm honest however you cannot deny that there was there was lightning in a bottle when you had yeah. wells and eisner and katzenberg yes. and, and even and even roy at the time as well and all these people who didn't really get on and, and but they but they didn't need to because what they were no. putting together was working 
and and there is a great creative energy that comes from that you know if, if you've got and we talked about it only uh last uh, last episode of mario brothers when we were talking about killer sofa when you've got a lot of people in the room who all think the same yeah then sometimes you can be a little bit creatively risk averse and a little bit creatively stagnant sometimes uh yeah. and, and whereas when you've got people that will argue with you and bicker and you have to reach that stalemate yeah. that's when real genius happens and look, oh, yeah these so that's, people, that's the point where you're trying to one-up each other yeah and look these people would have been involved with this at an at a executive production level at, at most okay these are not yeah. people that were writing this show so i'm not crediting them with anything however when you're talking about what you can get away with and what you can get through the net and what the show needs to look like and feel like and what we're allowed to do the company becomes very, very risk averse yeah. as soon as that ABC purchase goes through. And all of a sudden, yes, they have to fill a block of content, you know, and that's where all of a sudden we start seeing the Disney afternoon come in and you get all of these shows now that they've previously run on their own getting packaged together because fuck, we need content. So we'll have the Disney afternoon and just syndicate yeah. it all, rerun it all and package it together in a block. Look, we love that. We love the Disney afternoon yeah. on this show and I'm not criticizing, but that, that, directly had an impact i would say and from what i've read it certainly sounds that, like yeah that i mean that, the case that's as well what that's what killed this show effectively i mean the first season was very tight mm-hmm. um so certainly what i've seen was very tight and everything i've read otherwise says the same thing that it was primarily the same writers it was a husband and wife duo with a couple of other people who were brought in and they were no they were kind of, they were they were kind of writing it together there were four of them i think who wrote the whole season um did the 13 episodes and then disney went right we want a second season we'll pay for a second season and the way they did it is they said right we'll write we'll design it we'll write it we'll produce it and then when we went to the next and then they were done in 10 month blocks so they spent right. a lot of time putting that first season together which is why it looks so good why it sounds so good why the, why the writing's so tight and all the rest of it disney went right okay we want to syndicate it we want another 52 of those next year so if, we, yeah. if you give us a second season of 52 episodes that takes us to that magic 65 we can syndicate it we can run it every day yeah that's what we want and despite the creators going, we can't do that. We, you know, the process we've got in place that's made it such a good show, we cannot replicate at, at, at four times the scale. So in the end, they ended up flooding it with writers, flooding it with animators just to get it done. And that's why the second season isn't as well received as the first, because I think at one point it's described as the uh, Gargoyles World Tour, because yeah. they're all off trying to find out the Gargoyles and you know, they, they sort of trying to do spin-offs because they can't, they can't tell one cohesive story because there's so many people writing it. And yeah, it's the I, problem you get to when you get to um, sort of bigger TV shows anyway, and on long run shows, is that where you have a where you have a writers' room, you still need somebody steering the ship. You still need somebody to say, "Look, this is where we're going with it." So you can do what you want with the episode, but this is no, these are the beats you need to hit. They couldn't afford to do that because they had so many people and so little time. So instead of having you know, ten months plus ten months plus ten months to put it together, you now all of a sudden it's, you've got eight months to make four times as many episodes as you made in three years. Yeah. Yeah. And and you could I mean I'm I'm not deep into the second season yet, but I, I'm expecting to see the quality dip. And as I say, I have seen some of the third season. That was what I originally saw. Um I definitely it's not up there with what I've seen in the first. But I do also um just as a, a quick byline on that, uh remember reading something during my research as well, specifically about Eisner. Um and I've talked he's he's my go-to guy for when i say like when you when you want to talk about a producer when you want to talk about high concept like what you look love him or hate him like he's undeniably one of the most successful yeah. producers ever all right he knows he fucking knows what's good and what's not all right and unfortunately he will drive it into the ground but he knows what's good and what's not and it was interesting to me to read that actually after the first season eisner clocked onto what this was immediately 
and essentially almost gave us the MCU before the MCU. He watched this and went, there's a whole franchise here, and this is where the World Tour concept came out of it. They had to go off and find all these other gargoyles who were going to have their own shows, and then everybody was going to team up, and there was going to be a whole gargoyles universe. Yeah. And he's thinking about that some 10 years before the MCU. Much more than that, probably 15. You know, so... I mean, Again, the, the, the problem credit was, where it's due. I mean, I think the problem was then by the time they they got out of that season and then they they bought a, they got out of that second season they bought ABC and they just needed to wrap up con- rattle out content quickly. Disney kind of shut the bed with it and it was like just fucking make more of what we've got because we we won't go we won't go down the extended universe route. We haven't got time to explore it. We haven't got you know we just need to get stuff out. We just spend all this money in ABC. We need content, content, content. Just get something out as quick as you can. By which point it kind of lost its it lost its aura. I think. Yeah, definitely. Those early ABC years were all about just spunking money into that network to get it. I, but but it wasn't about, you know, brand new original programming. It was get about stuff on air. How many quiz shows can we knock? It's where like it's where Who Wants to Be a Millionaire came from. Like when it when it went over there, it was like ABC caught on to it. Yeah. And they were like, right, this is fucking cheap and yeah. we need programming and we need it now. Yeah. So and they just so when, when you went into your reality shows like fucking American Idol and stuff like that is we have one set. We can use it for a whole year. And repeat, lather, rinse, repeat for the next 10 years. We yeah. build one set. We don't need to do anything else. And, and unfortunately, you know, this this would have been an expensive show, you know. So so you can you can see the business logic behind that. Now, I'm not I'm not defending that decision, but, you know, the company had to survive and it was going through a very, very turbulent time. So it wasn't until, you know, ironically, Iger, who was in charge of ABC at the time, would then come along and steady the fucking ship and buy Pixar and buy fucking Star Wars and buy Marvel and just write that ship again, that they could be in a position to do creative things and to take the kind of risks that they're again taking now. Hmm. You know, people criticize Disney a a lot and some of it fairly, you know, is fair, but a lot of it, you know, we forget just how many risks they're willing to take and with their products as well, you know, you you look at the stuff that's being fired out on on Disney Plus now, and you look yeah. at you look at the kind of the chances that they're taking with things that which you know now to us of course they were going to be a surefire hit, but you look at the chances they're taking on things like a, a Loki or a WandaVision or a Mandalorian, where these yeah. are like second rate characters at best from blockbuster movies. And even to, I mean, even beyond that, you look you now that from the purchase of um, of Fox, you've got Star on Disney Plus now, which is all this with the adult content. Mm. And some of the stuff, they're now they're putting original content on there. Mm. And actually, you know, they think you're thinking right, okay, that's something that, you know, um, what did I watch last week? Is um, a, um, a pseudo sitcom called Dollface with Kat Dennings. Um, original products um, shouldn't really work. It's a generic sitcom about a girl who gets dumped and she's reconnecting with her girlfriends, having been you know, completely dominated by a boyfriend for however many years. And so it's nothing original. It's nothing particularly exciting. But they've gone right. You know what? It's got a face in it who through between two broke girls and would not being a success it was never supposed to be and her involvement with marvel all of a sudden it's right okay we can do this we can we can do something with her mm. and you know, the the week that came out that was all over the splash screen of of disney plus yeah um and no yes okay now they've, they've gone into they've got the final series of walking dead sort of, you've got what if and you know you've got all this other marvel stuff coming through as well but actually you know you look at you, you go into that star section and they've got quite a lot of stuff in there thinking actually they should, for the, for what it is, you wouldn't expect them to want to be involved because it's not, no, it's not glittering, it's not big names, it's not no, it's not high concept, it's just no, normal TV shows. But actually, they're they're still churning out good shit. Yeah, they are. Um, people unfairly. This isn't a Disney podcast, but this is a Disney product, so it feels like we're talking yeah, yeah, yeah. 
tangentially, sort of. Yeah. Uh, right Fuck, we can do but, a Disney podcast. That's fine. I mean, we probably should at some point. <laughs> but, um, you know, people... People, particularly people who don't really understand quite the mega corporation that Disney is now, um, sort of unfairly tend to tie them with a brush about about being the Mickey Mouse company. You know, they think Disney is in the business of Mickey Mouse, and it's really not. Mickey Mouse yeah. is a figurehead, and yeah. you know, Disney's actually and always has been, in my opinion, been in the business of giving us the absolute best entertainment possible yeah like they don't cut a corner they never have even in the real dark days in the late 70s and the early 80s you look at something like black cauldron yeah nobody else was ever gonna make that yeah. that film is fucking mental nobody else would even think about making it but disney putting artistry at the forefront just went well there will be an audience out there for it. People will come and see because it, it looks cool. And fucking hell, the Horned King looks cool. Yeah. And all right, yeah, it was a complete misfire, but they took the chance, you know. And that's the kind of thing when I say that I don't like DreamWorks and I don't like Katzenberg. That's the kind of thing that a DreamWorks won't do, you know. No, I mean, when you look at DreamWorks products, and they're all very, they are all very safe. Like so even, safe. I mean, even when you look at, I mean, Ants was possibly better than A Bug's Life in terms of story, not in terms of animation, but in terms of story, it was possibly better. They, they kind of came at the same time. Shrek is a very, on the surface, Shrek is now, it's, it's all about, you no know, um, about you no know, not being superficial and about you know, what's on the surface and what's you not know, all the rest of it. But actually, it's a very safe franchise. Shrek is quite literally Katzenberg just telling Eisner to go and fuck himself. Yeah, it's it's why and and everybody was writing about it at the time saying, oh, it's anti Disney, you know, it's taking all these fairy tales and sticking them on it. Yes, it absolutely is because yeah. that is Katzenberg going, fuck you. Yeah, we don't need to. You, I, you don't need to right do all this to make be a successful studio. That no, as, yeah. as you say, it's it, it's a big fuck you. But the, the product itself, you know, in, in terms of it's no, it's not doing anything groundbreaking. It's not. It's it's a fairly safe product and as the franchise goes on. It becomes, if anything, worse. it becomes more safe. They yeah. become let. They become less inclined to do anything remotely controversial. I mean, there's some jokes in the first one which you which you wouldn't get away with on a Disney on a Disney mainstream animated film. Things like Pinocchio um, lying and you know, when yeah. you know you've got somebody bending over in front of him and telling him to you no, know, trying to get him to tell a lie. You wouldn't get that in a Disney product. So you, you, there are some elements of the humor with that. But as you go through the franchise, actually, it becomes more and more safe, more and more mundane. And actually, by the time you get to you know, Shrek seventy six or whatever on now, it's like it's like watching the fucking Waltons. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, again, this isn't going to be a DreamWorks bashing podcast, but I, yeah, I think you're dead right. And and I think even if you take the DreamWorks Disney comparison out of it, and you go say DreamWorks Illuminations, yeah, you know, you look at Illumination have arguably less money than than DreamWorks, but yeah. because of that. They are more willing to take those risks, and I would argue their product has a lot more heart because of it as well. Like, yeah. for all minions are fucking everywhere now, and we fucking hate them. Like, those three fucking films, those first three, they're fucking good. Yeah. Like, yes, yes, the minions are annoying because they're everywhere, but those films have the kind of heart that's completely absent from a DreamWorks product. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, I've got, I've got a bit of a soft spot for ants, I will say. Um, I don't know why it just sort of resonates a bit, but. Yeah, you look at um, you look at um, the 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 Despicable Me uh, films. Um, the third one, not so much. By the time they get to the third one, they kind of tread in water, and they're sort of you know, having the, the the minion spin-offs. They're just um, they're there for kids because kids like minions because kids are stupid. Um, but you know, the, the first two certainly are very clever, and they've got they do have a lot more character than you you will ever give them credit for. And the difference is because you look at um, you look at a Disney product and. 
like they they've they've changed their style in the last no over sort of the last decade or so where faces are shaped in a particular way eyes are always bigger than they should be stuff like that and you certainly look at um, Ed Elsa and her her eyes are far bigger than her fucking head should allow but the the animation style in the um, illumination films it's deliberately obscure now you look they they, they look like cartoons so you look at the Simpsons as, as an, an example of of what cartoons are in terms of these are people but they don't look like people. They're yeah. just close enough. You know they're supposed to be people as opposed to being dogs, but actually, no, they've no, their fa- their faces aren't quite the right shape and they're you know, the wrong colours and stuff like that. I mean, no, no, they're they're the yellow and uh, okay, fine. You, and then you look at Gru, for example. Gru shouldn't work. His legs are far too thin for his body. His body's too long for his neck, and his head would kind of no, his neck would snap because it's so big compared to his neck. So all this sort of stuff. But actually, you don't care about that because the characterization is there, and as you said, the heart is there. So. You know, you he's you want him to succeed with with adopting the girls. You want him and Lucy to get together in the second one. You now you want no you you root for these characters even though you really shouldn't. And that's something yeah. you very rarely do with the DreamWorks products. Yeah, um, but I think that's I, I think it is that hard. It's not it's not the production design of it or anything like that. I, I think it is very much that they're a studio that are willing to take a chance with the storytelling, take a chance with the characters, and. You know, we talk about the the drop off then um, with with things like Speaking Me Three and now Minions seventy two and stuff like that. I don't think it'd be a coincidence that that started to happen as they've been acquired by mm. DreamWorks because yeah. DreamWorks is this just conveyor belt. We're going way off topic now. DreamWorks is this fucking conveyor belt, in my opinion. That's just like, well, look, that's popular, so tune another one out. It's fine. Yeah. Tune another one out. Tune another one out, and it's lost all that heart. Whereas, yeah. You know, what what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to get at here is a Katzenberg on his own and a DreamWorks is never going to give you gargoyles. No. Whereas Eisner on his own is just fucking mental enough yeah. to just go, yeah, all right, we'll have a go. We'll have a go and yeah. we'll see what happens for 13 episodes. Yeah, if for, it takes for 13 off, episodes, then... it's nothing. If it doesn't work, we just won't make any more. Exactly, because he was the master of just high concept. You only got to walk into his office, uh, you know, as stories go. Not that I've ever done it and just go, right, we got this sto- We got this fucking series. Gargoyles come to life and they run around New York. And he's like, OK, fine, go do it. Yeah. I like that. Or I don't like that. You're crazy. And and that's what it would be. But generally, the, the more bonkers, the higher the concept. Yeah because he was that guy he was he was mr high concept pitch yeah. so you could you could see him in the room going like yeah i like that run with it but then when things start to fall apart and and he can't get involved in this sort of thing anymore and he's lost katzenberg who was specifically looking after this sort of thing then you could see where that drop comes in, in the third yeah. season so and, and it's a shame because without a shadow of a doubt this this first season i mean I don't think I can say it's better than Batman animated because I I think it probably isn't, but there is a fucking hair's breadth between yeah. these shows in my opinion. Yeah, there's you know, like and a that's coming from between the two. Yeah, right? and that's coming from a huge, huge fan of Batman the animated series. But yeah. this is, I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, Christ, if you think this this has been on a list since day one, we're now what episode nearly hundred. Yeah, that was episode two. Yeah, so that that gives you that, some basis yeah. for comparison, but. I mean, yes, it owes a huge debt to that as well. Let's let's yeah. not pretend that it doesn't. Yeah. Like you've mentioned the look of it already, you know, and yeah. the art style and everything. But, it's even got it, that kind of almost Art Deco feel to it. Even though it's set in yeah. present day New York, it's got that Gotham Art Deco feel running through it, it as well. It does. And I mean, the other thing I did fancy with it as well, it does, um, 
it kind of feels like it has a bit of um so the 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 early 90s cop drama about it as well but having our in through uh, Marza is mm. that you no know, we do have that sort of almost um hill street blues type vibe to it where they're you no know, unlikely partners and you no know, there's there's very you no know, there's very much a a fish out of water incongruous relationship between the two of them uh, between her and, and goliath so i mean it owes a lot to that type of stuff but i think it, it really does execute it in a way that you don't notice so much i mean no you're not going to go into this thinking oh well if they just to ram those two together she she is very much a character in this show she's not there as a she's not there as a cipher she's not there as a, as a spin-off or, or a girlfriend or any sort of you know, token female just to appeal to you know to, to girl viewers she's no she is front and center in this show Yes, she is. And there is unquestionably a lesser version of this show where it's basically Alien Nation, hmm. where it's, you know, <coughs> excuse me, um, crimes happening in New York and on the edge down and out New York cop teams up with Gargoyle and they go out fighting crime. Yeah. And it's and it's Alien Nation. Right. And and, the, and there's comedy because of the differences between the two of them. Yeah. They don't do that because and you, and you mentioned it there, this show. And the reason why it's it's through lines work so well and storytelling works so well is this show absolutely treats every one of these characters as a character in their own yes. right and treats them with respect. So it's not about Goliath teaming up with Marza because he has no interest really in teaming up with the police and fighting crime. No. It's just about the fact that these two people are morally aligned and and have some things in common and so form a bond and form a friendship. And there is you know, there's also a kind of it's not an accident that she's a cop. She's not a cop because of the crime fighting element of it. And the gargoyles can help her fight crime. This isn't a, it's not a narrative device in that sense. She is a cop because that by association means that she is going to be up at all hours of the night chasing yeah. criminals. She exists in the seedy underbelly. Yeah. That's why she's a cop, because she's on the same time scale as the gargoyles. And, and not only that, I mean, she's positioned and I mean, obviously, Recent events, both here and in America, would suggest otherwise. But the whole, the idea being that she's a cop, she's on the side of right, she's going to be moral, she's going to be just. So, as I said, they are they are going to be morally aligned. So there's there's a natural bond there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it's just it just it doesn't seem forced, which I think a lot of the things you get. I mean, we we talked about a couple of weeks ago. There's um the remake of Turner of uh, Turner Hooch on Disney Plus at the moment, and for as entertaining as it is, and no, it's no, it's reasonably well produced. Who in the fuck wanted to turn around Hoosh series? I totally agree. And it is, by the way, it is entertaining. I'm yeah. Not, I'm, I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking it. it. I, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> not it. I'm enjoying it. But who in the fuck Nobody wanted that? that? I didn't want it. And I'm not sure I want it now, but I'm watching it and it's entertaining me. Yeah. It's not great, but it's entertaining and it works. Yeah. Um, whereas, but yeah, it, whereas this, it, it doesn't, it don't, I mean, that, that, that feels very forced and very staged, whereas this feels quite natural. I mean, obviously, we, we're looking at it now, fucking 20 years removed and um, some of the dialogue's a bit iffy, and yes, it looks like shit because Disney haven't put the effort into remastering it. But actually, you you believe that relationship, you believe those characters would be together. You 100 percent do. Um, and then, you know, you you've even then got the juxtaposition of her against Demona as yeah. well. And and so, you know, none of this is accidental. You know, they've yeah. they've thought about these characters, and again. As I say, there's the episode with with Brooklyn where he, um, so with Broadway where he accidentally shoots her. Hmm. 
and he has a Batman moment. And he, again, you got a Batman similarity, but he decides there and then on the spot that he fucking hates guns. Yeah, I'm going to go get all the guns. I'm going to round them all up, and anybody who's peddling them is going to fucking pay. And that, like every other episode I've watched since, whenever there's a gun, he immediately snatches the gun and breaks it. That is the first thing he does. Hmm. Now, that's the kind of character development that you don't expect to see in a children's animated show. That would yeah. be something normally that he has, he learns his lessons so the kids can learn the lesson that guns are bad, okay? And then next episode, that's just completely gone by the wayside. He'll never be yeah. referred to again. And it's so subtle as well. Like he doesn't make a big thing of like, I hate guns. Yeah. He just sees a gun. He just takes does it. The gun, he just reacts. destroys the gun, like immediately. Cause this is a thing that's, that almost killed his friend. Yeah. So he hates it, you know? And there's, there's all sorts of, of little things like that just strewn throughout um, that you just, these little characters that you don't see anywhere else. There's Goliath's, and, and again, it's very subtle. It comes out in the character work. It's at, at no point does he have a monologue or anything like that. But there's Goliath's very clear self-doubt as well, yeah. running all the way through the show where he's like, I'm, you know, we, again, we, we talk at length on Game of Moments about how heroes always have the weight of the world on their shoulders. And it, and it's that, you know, like he's he's responsible. He feels responsible for keeping all of his friends alive and yeah. for the fact that they almost died. And he thought they were lost to him in the beginning anyway. Yeah. And so you feel that weight with him and you feel that there are quiet moments where he's on his own and without, as I say, without excessively monologuing and, and just through, you know, a few lines and, and through the animation as well, they managed to convey just this real hefty worldliness that he's carrying with him of like, this is all on me. Yeah. You know, and then occasionally they're smart enough to let him off the leash with that as well. Like there'll, there'll be times where he just rails at Xanatos for no other reason than you are in my way. Mm. And I hate that I can't do anything about it, but I don't hate you. I hate me because I'm powerless in this situation because he doesn't understand the world. And again, that comes back to that holding the mirror to humanity and, and the monster being the other and things like that. And it's like he's he doesn't hold the cards here because Xanatos is a very, very powerful man yeah. in ways and, that Goliath can't even fathom. Yeah. And I mean, even if you come back to that very first episode where you're back in medieval Scotland or pre-medieval Scotland, even um, where, again, there's a really dark moment. You get this. You no, know, the, there's the battle between the Vikings and whoever the fuck they're supposed to be. Uh, not, uh, I'm assuming they're Saxons. Um but you get that no that, that fight where the Vikings are invading and they turn to stone and they're all um I say Goliath and a couple and a handful of others have gone off and the rest of them turn to stone and the Vikings destroy the, the, the statue side of it so they kill the gargoyles. Very it's a very dark thing for you know, especially for your first episode. It's a very dark move. But then from on the back of that, you get you know, the the Magus then turns them all no, he, he banishes them all, he he petrifies them all, etc. So we do that, and then as soon as they come out in that second episode, or the end of the first episode, once you start exploring it in the second episode, it's this whole thing of, hang on, we shouldn't be here. I shouldn't yeah. be here because my all of my people died. My family died. My friends died. I don't deserve to be here. And yeah, the way he, he conveys that, he, he doesn't say that. He never says that. But it, no, it's uh, you would expect it in live action because an actor can put, no, they can portray a lot with a look. They can be a sideways side glad of wringing your fingers, you know, not not in sort of an obvious sense, but just you know, an involuntary movement that they do something or something that's part of this, they've built into the character. But when you're animating and you've got somebody's got to design, somebody's got to think of it and write it, somebody's got to design it, somebody's got to animate it, and then somebody's got to perform it. Yeah, it, it has to be a lot more deliberate than that. Yeah. And I think that we you know 
again, it's I mean, it's something as we said at the start. This is not something you expect from a kids show, because yes, or, no, yes, okay, you have these heroes who do feel burdens and all the rest of it, and we were getting into these sort of no longer form narrative uh, shows in the early nineties. But an animated monster who feels the weight of the of everything that's happened to his people, because he wasn't there to stop it. And if he'd been there, he'd have been dead with them because he'd have turned to stone. Yeah. But he, you no, know, he. I, and I'm sorry, I haven't watched all the way through. I, I intend to. So that's what this week is for. Because fuck it, why not? Um, but he will carry that with him. That guilt of the fact that it's like survivor's guilt. Yeah, and yeah, he, definitely. Um, and no, there's a lot of sort of post Holocaust stuff written uh, written about that about you no. Know, the people who who made who made it out of the camps, the people who, who managed to who managed to survive by you know, by some miracle or other, you no, know, but they didn't end up um, marched into into ovens and all the rest of it. They feel guilty because they survived, and that's exactly what you get with Goliath. Not so much with the others. The others, the others are a bit more stereotypical, um, and I think they're kind of certainly early on. They're there to be. They're there to make up the numbers and to be the comic relief. And yeah, they, will, they, they each they, get they their moment grow. in the sun. Um, yeah, but they, I mean, from what I've seen, on, they will. From what I've seen and what they've read, they, they all grow and they all they all get something. But the yeah. early episodes, that, that seems very much what they're for. They are there to lighten the mood. They're there for comic relief. Whereas Goliath is there, feeling every single crack in in the stone. Every you know, every, every winter they were battered by wind for a thousand years, and they you know all this sort of stuff because he shouldn't have survived. None of them should yeah. have survived. They should have all died because the rookery died. The you know, the, the ones on the cliffs died. Why did we survive? Yeah. Why do I deserve to be here and nobody else is? And yeah. that's so well balanced in this show. It's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, it is. And and like, yeah, you, you're dead, right? Those initial episodes, yeah, it, it, there's almost, um, almost a Ninja Turtles effect to it where there's a funny one and there's an yeah. inventive one. And then so you've got all of that. But then they do all grow because this is an overarching narrative. These characters all get room to breathe. There's another um, beautiful episode or moments within an episode anyway, to, right towards the end of the first season. I think it might be the last but one episode. If not, it's just before it. Um, but there's there's an episode where Goliath gets um, just pretty badly banged up mm. and, and he's unable to, to sort of uh, look out for himself, basically. And so Hudson stays with him to protect him. Yeah. And there's just this moment between them where Hudson's basically just reflecting and going, look, I'm I'm an old man. Like, I I cannot protect you. I'm the yeah. wrong person to do this. You know, and, and previously he's just been the, the kind of slightly jovial, but, you know, yeah. just older guy that's been like, oh, you, it's all right. You hang back and watch telly. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's in the chair with his dog and watching his TV and yeah. he's, he's got the Scottish accent. And, you know, he's just he feels like he's some sort of just old granddad figure yeah he, he's then, there as so the, the the wise old sage will guide them yeah. through but won't do anything but then to bring it to the forefront you know and to have him question that again it's a case of well i'm in this situation now and you know my my surrogate son essentially is potentially going to die because i'm old and soft because i've been watching yeah. tv and they allow him to have that moment yeah, and again him. yeah and again a lesser show wouldn't yeah. even touch that they wouldn't touch that with a barge pole it would just be oh, no, it, it would be a comic episode. Week. Yeah, it would be. It, it would be a case of yeah, okay, well, Goliath's weak, so we're gonna we're gonna make the other one look after him, but the other one's gonna fuck it up time and time again. It's gonna be funny. Yeah, and it's gonna be so stupid. None. It's funny, and yeah, there's there's none of that. Um, you know, there's there's the stuff with with Brooklyn where he's, he's trying to fit in, um, and, and and he gets it grossly wrong. You know, and he doesn't understand. You know, that's that's where we first really see kind of the the underside of of humanity. You know, when and yeah. then obviously he gets twisted around and things as well. And so 
there's all of that you know this isn't there one with um master's brother as well um, yes which i've read about where again there's lots of no st- there's lots of stuff about sort of you know, familiar responsibility and, you know, and that type of thing and you, again you this type of stuff is done in kids shows all the time but it's always done in a way that it's very black and white yeah and you know the and the the um the leading character has to learn something and in this show from what i've seen and certainly what i'm hoping to see going forward and from what you said i think i will there's there's not so much of that it's not it's not a case of well this is right and this is wrong and this is where we stand and we're gonna there need to be those shades of gray and i think again going back to batman the animated series you had that you know you had these sort of slightly morally ambiguous characters you had characters who were very much good and very much bad but you had these ones who were kind of in the middle as well you didn't know where they sat but in in amongst all of that you had humanity as well you, yeah, you had you had some real some real heart and some some real guile to it, and that's what you know, that's the impression I've certainly got from the first five episodes of the show is that that's where this is going to go, that you do have these characters who are going to write. We're living in a in a time we shouldn't be living in in a world that doesn't want us. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. Who are we? Where do we fit in? And yeah, those, those questions get asked. And I think you're right. You know, in in a lesser show. Look, just because we watched it recently and because I think it's the perfect example of this kind of thing. Let's take He-Man. OK, yeah. if we if we get an, an episode of He-Man where somebody accidentally gets hit with a fucking laser gun or whatever, what you get at the end of the episode is Orko coming up and fucking up something with a gun again. And then He-Man coming in and saying, oh, that's enough, Orko. Don't play with guns anymore. You know, and it, and it would be yeah. we've learned today that guns can kill people. So yeah. and you'll be lectured to and it would be done on a very simplistic level. Yeah. Whereas they treat the audience with far more respect here. And, and it is a case of, well, no, through the actions and through, you know, the through emoting with the animation here in the performance, we're going to show you how much this has fucked this character up. Yeah. And the lesson is going to come through that. It's not going to come through him turning and addressing camera and saying, I really wish I hadn't shot Mazza's gun at her. No. No, yes, he has that moment where he has to break down and confess to Goliath that it's his fault and he's so sorry and he'll never do it again. Of course, you need that narratively. But then we're allowed to move past that with him. And I think that resonates far more deeply than just having Goliath turn to camera at the end of the episode and say, guns are bad, kids, so don't fire them or I'll come and rip your fucking throat out. You know, that's not... Oh, that would have worked too. That probably would because he's very fucking scary. I mean, that is... the eyes red. It, that, I mean, that's the other thing I mentioned that I, I saw these adverts. I initially got in because I saw all these adverts for it and I saw the figures and it was the designs of the gargoyles themselves. Like the the first image I remember seeing of gargoyles was a, a drawing of Goliath. And I, straight away, I was just like, that looks fucking badass. Like he's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Like And, and again, he, you know, you could have softened him and you could have made him look like a friendly gargoyle, look like a yeah. hero. And they've done that with some of the others. Yeah, you know, the others are slightly more rounded. They're not, no, they're not as, um, they're not as angular. Um, Goliath, yeah. Goliath is um, a, a curious one because Goliath, the character design of Goliath, reminds me a bit of Mumra. I can see that with the loincloth. cloth. Yeah, uh, not just not just yeah, the coloring, but sort of the, um, yeah, yeah. just of the stature as well, the posture, yeah, the gait. Yeah, I can see it's that. all kind of very similar, um, and that was one thing that sort of struck me very early on. So I mean, you can you would you'd be you could be forgiven as a child looking at it thinking, oh fuck. This is a show about monsters. Yes, that's what it. That's what I thought it was going to be, and and that's sort of what it is. It, but that's it, what yeah. I got from that image. But then it flips. It, it flips that on its head. Yeah. You know, uh, as as we said, it, it subverts. It's Yeah, yeah. It it subverts that, and and we are very much the monsters, and Goliath is actually a very decent person. Yeah, you know, this. 
all these little moments with him as well where like everybody else is is upstairs watching tv and stuff and Maz will come in but where's goliath oh he's down in the library you know and he's down there reading fucking shakespeare and dostoevsky and you yeah. know he's he's looking to catch up on what's happened yeah. in the last thousand years and understand us better so that yeah. he can coexist with us whereas we as a people as humanity see him and go ah it's a monster kill it yeah. Instead of trying to understand who he is and where he's come from. Yeah. You know, and, and you mentioned um, way earlier on, actually, you, you mentioned there's something very Shakespearean about it. And actually, one thing I have picked up on, some of it's blatant. Yeah. Uh, there is there is a character called Macbeth later on. Um, but there are a lot of nods to Shakespeare throughout this. Yeah. I mean, um, even looking at the first couple of episodes with um, Demona. Yes. Yeah. No, it's it's yeah. there's a there's a very obvious sort of Lady Macbeth vibe there where it's, where she's very much in the ear and she's you no know, she's she's kind of you know, she's whispering and she's you no know, she's you you know straight you know as soon as you see it because the introduction you get is with um, Xanatos where she's you no know, she's hidden and yes. he's talking to her off screen and you know, she you know and she sort of steps into frame and stuff so you you know straight away she's you no know, that's where she's been played. But you didn't. You could have done that in such a more subtle way in that sort of Lady Macbeth vein, where look, this is this is what you want to know. This is who you are, and I'm just going to be in your ear, and just just poisoning the well every time I get a chance, just twisting you, twisting your words against you, just manipulating things just enough to make you see things in a slightly different way, mm. but not no, not to the extent of well, actually, yeah, I'm evil. Because that that's the that was the one thing that let that 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 arc down for me actually was was Demona because the way she was handled, she what it wasn't. Whereas everybody else was kind of trying to fit in and trying to find a place, it was like, well, yeah, she's been here all along, so of course she understands humans, and because of that, she hates them, so she's gonna no, she's going to try and poison all against them. It would be far more effective if that if you'd sort of, even if it was even if she's acting with it, if you see that come over time, even over Hold. the. Hold that thought before you, right, okay. because they do they do dive into that quite extensively throughout the rest of the season. She doesn't appear in every episode, um, okay. but even episodes that she's not in, uh, her presence is felt. There is a right. lot to do with Demona and where she's been, um, and she does start to spoilers. She does start to get in the ears of the other gargoyles as well and say, well, "Is Goliath really the leader that you think he is? And are these humans really your friends?" And shouldn't we maybe be thinking about looking after ourselves? And so there is, there is that. I think, yeah, that that introduction perhaps was a little bit shock yeah. and awe. Yeah, um, I think the introduction was heavy-handed. Um, I, yeah. I haven't I haven't seen enough of it to see to see that side of camera. And if if I would if I were putting this together, that's where I'd have gone with it from the start with her. Yeah. But if that's where they're going with it, I'd, no, I'd be quite that's happy to see that. Very, that's very not... much where they go with it. She, she really does lean into that Lady Macbeth role even more um, as the series progresses. Well, you even get the Weird Sisters. Right. Like you get there is there's so much, um, which just again just adds to this kind of dark gothic vibe that it's got going on. That hmm. I mean, fucking hell, like Batman can get away with that for a kid show because it's Batman. So even though it's it's gothic and a bit noir and occasionally it deals with some very adult themes and, yeah. and does so very well, still got Batman in it. So kids will watch it because it's got Batman in it. Yeah, this is this, this is this Disney. You don't expect nowhere. this. Yeah, this is Disney. It came out of nowhere. It's got fucking monsters in it. It's horrifically violent. It mm. deals with some real heavy handed issues. You know, I, to the point that the writing in this is so good. Uh, something else I noticed my research uh, we talk about tropes all the time on this show um it there is a trope named after this 
which I did not even realize. Right. Uh, but there is the Xanatos Gambit, which is okay. where a villain will execute a plan. It will all go wrong and he will still come away from it going, ah, but it's okay because actually my bigger plan was for this. And by right. doing this, I learned that next time, and that does happen with Xanatos, even as a character, grows as a villain because every mistake he makes informs him and he yeah. comes back better smarter okay. and stronger okay, i can so see that i i assumed that was no i i assumed they'd named the character for that rather than the other way around no it's the xanatos gambit yeah i i assumed that was a thing before the show came out i, I assumed that's why they called him xanatos okay no it, it's so come, i've learned something today yeah it's come from this or at least that's what wiki told me uh, oh well okay it, to, I mean, to be fair, it's, I mean, it, it's something that I've not really looked into. So, I mean, I'd assumed, it, I'd assumed that's why they named the character, not the other way around. But I've not really looked into it. So, you know, it could I, well. I would imagine, I would imagine it is correct because when you read it, it literally is in every episode, like every time. Oh yeah, I mean, completely. He's a villain, so he gets defeated. All right, that's yeah. that's the rules of the game. All right, but every time he gets defeated, he will have a moment where he goes. Yes, okay, that didn't work out, and that sucks. But actually, now I've learned that he's weak to this, or now I've learned yeah. that, and yeah. yeah, and every time when he shows up next episode, there are there's um, a recurring villain or villains in the first season. Um, well, I guess, I guess I call them recurring villains. It's basically Xanatos, but he has an army of robot gargoyles that you see yes. in the in the opening episodes. Yeah, now they will reappear. Yeah. Um, but they come back stronger because the gargoyles have defeated them once. And crucially, they come back with Xanatos inside basically a Lexo suit that looks like a gargoyle. He's built himself this combat armor that makes him look exactly like Goliath. And he's got Goliath's strength, but he can fly and stuff as well. Yeah. And again, it's a case of when he eventually gets defeated and he has to sort of cry off and run away. He's, he's managed to preserve the armor. And he's like, yeah. well, yeah, but now I know now that I need by to wearing this, this armor... I can go toe to toe with Goliath. So yeah. now I just, I, just, need to, I just need to add this bit or just make it do it's that. It's not even that. It's not even that, right? This is how smart the writing is in this show. Earlier in that episode, you see him sparring with his assistant. With his assistant, uh, they, they're in a dojo sparring, and yeah. the assistant manages to kick him in the gut and take him down because he's been in jail, so he's out of practice. Right. So then it's well. Now I know that I have the technology to stand toe to toe with Goliath. Now I just have to train to learn his fighting style and I have to learn how to take him down, which ties into the discussion he was having with his assistant earlier. And it all just comes together in this neat little bowl where you go, yeah. you know, this isn't, this isn't fucking Krang or Shredder where they have a harebrained scheme every week, get their ass yeah. handed to them and come back with another harebrained scheme. This yeah. is somebody who is getting defeated and learning and getting himself back up and trying yeah. again. And actually in an odd way, that's probably one of the few things we can celebrate about humans and humanity in this show, despite the fact he's our villain. Yeah. Is he back is, up again. Yeah, he is completely indomitable. He is just like, yeah, you can knock me down, but I will come back and I will come back stronger and I will keep coming back because I didn't get to be one of the most powerful men in the world by give giving up. up. Yeah. And yes, all right, I'm a fucking evil, deplorable bastard, but, you know. Yeah, I should have run for president <laughs> instead, it would have been easier. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could tell that because he's got a ponytail. So, oh, yeah. You know, so and, and it's the 90s. So anyone with a ponytail. And, he, and, he, and he's not Steven Seagal. Well, I mean, I'd argue that maybe Steven Seagal's not exactly a shining example of humanity, is he? No, um, but you know, he, he was always cast on the on the on the, the slightly lighter side of grey, wasn't he? 
yes, uh, well, he was just a hero, wasn't he? But um, yeah, yeah, so it's not a very good one. No, so there's that to it. Well, not latterly because he's fat. Um, but hey. I don't. He's a fat man now. He he's is. really, really fat. He looks like he ate his younger self now. Like he's he's super fat. Um, but yeah, so there's that element to it as well. Even the villains learn and progress in this. And again, when villains learn, live to fight another day, not even Xanatos, there are occasional kind of villain of the weeks, if you like, or yeah. monsters of the week. There will be, there are in-universe reasons why they survive. It's not just like, aha, I'll get you next time, Gadget. Like, yeah. there'll be a reason. They will be arrested, they will go to jail, or they will manage to escape. Um, there's there's a brilliant moment with with Macbeth, which is such a throwaway thing, but it's so obvious, and it... It's called the it's called the cape trick. I'm sure you've seen it before, but it's something I love whenever it happens in a fight because it's such an obvious thing. There's a moment where Goliath's just about defeated him, and he's got him up, but he's wearing a long coat, and he's got him up by the lapels of the coat, and he's giving him the he's giving him the rundown like you you know you are a bad man. We you know I'm going to punish you and stuff like that. And he just whips his arms in, slips out of the coat, and runs away. And he's like <laughs> credit where it's due because yeah. like. That's such an obvious thing to do, and it's so easy. Like I'm no, wearing no, an oversized no. coat, I'm just going to shrink out of it and lay yeah. it. No, right. funny enough, and anybody who has kids has done has done that in some way or show up before with the jumper as well. I've done it this evening. Yeah. Whereby putting the kids to bed, one of them grabs all of my grabs all of my sleeve. Ah, you're not going anywhere. You're staying with me. Okay, I'll just pull. You, you hold the sleeve. I'll just pull my arm out, take the jumper off over my head without no, without moving, and I'm and, and I'm gone. And it's that principle. But any, so any parent will will be able to do that. But yeah, it's 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 such a it's such an obvious thing when you think about it. Yeah, but most most shows again would have just yeah. let Goliath sort of pummel him or whatever, but not kill yeah. him because you're yeah. not allowed send, to send then, him to jail. Yeah, and then he would just come back next. Yeah, next, next week that. he won't be in jail. He'll be, he'll just be out again. It's not that he's escaped on his own steam because actually he's smarter than Goliath. So yeah. he hasn't he hasn't escaped for story reasons. He's escaped because the character is smart enough. To think, right, you're a big, slow, dumb fucking monster. Yeah. And I can slip out of this coat and be gone before you've even realised what's happened. So that's what I'm going to do. You know? Uh, and again, same thing with uh, the, the Lexo suit episode with, with Xanatos. There comes a point where he's the only one of these robots left. All of the gargoyles surround him, surround on all sides, and he's scanning the battlefield. And every time he scans one of his robots, it just comes, they're in pieces, and it comes up as like destroyed, yeah. destroyed, destroyed. And there's the conscious decision of, nope. I'm going to cut and run and I've got a jetpack and canonically these creatures cannot fly. They yeah. glide. So no, again, that was another, another nice character touch actually from a, from a very early on because yeah. you, you see them in the, in the first episode, you see them in the air all the time. So you assume they can fly. And then as soon as you get into New York where they're falling, it's like, yeah, I can't fly. Yeah. I can't fly. Yeah. Like I so, need wind. I yeah, this is this is yeah. gonna hurt because I can't fly I can't flap my wings and fly. We're gonna hit the deck. This is gonna fucking hurt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and they use that quite a lot. Yeah. Like I say, Xanatos can just jetpack away and they can't follow. Yeah. Because they can't just take off and fly. That's not a thing they can do. Yeah. You know, if they want to climb, then they first need to dive to get enough sort yeah. of wind behind them to then come back up. There's there's, there's physics involved here. Yeah. It's gliding. And it, it's um, been thought about as well, which it, it would be so easy to just go, well, yeah, they've got wings, they can fly. Yeah, it doesn't work. They don't just flap those wings, as you say. Yeah. They, it's not, that's not how this works. Um, it, we haven't actually talked about the choreography either, which seems like a weird thing to talk about. Yeah. But the fights in this show are yeah. they're just incredible. And it, like, again, when you see 
you've got these gargoyles and they, they've got like especially when when you look at Goliath, obviously he's got long reach he's got long powerful arms and legs but he's also got a massive fucking tail yeah and they use that in the fights as well yeah. you know it's a, it's an extra appendage like he'll sweep people with his tail and then yeah. pummel them while they're on the floor yeah you know? and the temptation would be when you when you're designing that when you're choreographing that when you're animating that the temptation would be the tail doesn't move well it would go one of two ways when it's either yes the tail doesn't move or all he does is whip be, is whip with it you know like all he man does is throw skeletal because he can't punch him right yeah. because that would be wrong so all he, and he can't is, stab him yeah so all he would do is whip the tail well he couldn't stab him yeah <laughs> all he could do is all he could do is whip the tail but no in this like he'll whip the tail to take them off their feet then he'll land a flurry of punches on them while they're in the air and then when they're on the floor he'll like kick them in the face or something it's yeah, ridiculous stamp on them. yeah it looks like something from mortal Kombat when these guys are fighting like they really thought about this yeah they have they absolutely have you know and but even, a... even when you had like the um the fight in the first episode with the vikings when they they're invading the castle even those fight scenes, they're far more advanced than you get in any other of the cartoons we've looked at. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's just everything about this show, certainly in the first season anyway, and, and the early second season episodes that I've seen so far, everything about this show is just head and shoulders above any... And I'm not saying this lightly. It is head and shoulders above anything else that we've watched on this show, save for the animated series, which I'll... Like I say, there's a there's a fucking Nats pube between this and Batman yeah. for me, I think. Yeah. And Batman probably only wins because I've Batman. got the emotional attachment to Batman. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know. I might actually <laughs> might actually I might actually say this is better. I think the I think the issue with this is that I say it it doesn't look great. Um, which I think I mean certainly the Batman I've got I bought when we did the episode, I bought it. Um, on iTunes, it was a remaster, so the, it's all very crisp, it's all very clean. Mm. This looks like it belongs in the early 90s. It, they, Disney haven't done it any favours, um, the way it looks. Storytelling, it's probably the my favourite series of any type in any genre I've watched this year. Yeah, I'd go along um, with that. And this is a year where we've had WandaVision and The Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, um, true. This is all right, I, yeah, all right. Maybe I won't go with that then because I did love One Division. I love One Division. I thought One Division was incredible. Um, this is a different type of show, but for me, as I've only I've only seen the first half, the first half of season one, so I can't judge it fully. But certainly on this show, this is the most complete show in terms of writing and story that we've watched in a very long time. I would totally agree, and and it is that that five part opener when you talk about it being complete like that. If you watch those episodes back to back, that is a movie. That yeah, feels that's like exactly what I did. You know, and and it is it is an animated movie. That isn't it. It tells a complete story, and it is it feels like it's the first yeah, part like of what is going to be a trilogy of yeah. You know, and yeah. and it's it, there's no fat in it either. It's hundred minutes, but it, everything that's in there is needed. Oh yeah, know? definitely. There's nothing. It's, I mean, and the obviously because they've done it as five episodes, they kind of mix their genres a bit. So you've got a historical one. You've got um, an action one then you've got a heist so they do all this stuff but actually look it's got none of this would be out of place if you put it as I say you, you could put this as the first part of a trilogy mm. i mean there, and, there have there have been attempts to get this made in live action um, right nothing's taken off unfortunately but mm. you, you could literally just translate that couldn't you yeah and i mean like they, um, they were comics as well um in the, the mid-aughts i think as well um marvel they I think they, uh, took them on yeah. um not seen any of them i've only read that um but say it's 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 the sort of property you could no you could build 
a world out of you could build a franchise out of and you or you could incorporate into a wider universe if you wanted to as well yeah i i'm not sure i want a live action version of it just because no you know you'd have cg gargoyles yes uh which you know i'd rather see somebody in makeup however i would definitely take a reboot of this show or a yeah. continuation of this show and i would definitely take a feature-length animated movie yeah like i i'm i'm not sure i want a live action movie no i mean i think the problem is like cg is fine and we've seen a lot of you know, cg over the last you know, decade and a half has come on so far that you know it's 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 you no know, very nearly i don't want to say perfect because you know, there are always there are always gonna be problems with it but now you look at stuff like like Avatar. You look at the the the, um, the mocap they use in things like Lord of the Rings, and they're using Star Wars. Stuff. When it's done, it's done very well, and you know, but it costs a lot of money. When you put seven eighths of your principal cast have to be mocap or have to be CGI, yeah, you're not getting that characterization from it. No, unless you go down the route of you no know, turning Mark Ruffalo into the Hulk, where you get every facial tick and every movement, but then. If you're going to do that, just get a fucking actor in. Now I kind of want Mark Ruffalo as Goliath in live action interpretation. Now you've put that out there. <laughs> I would take that, actually. But um, but you, you get what I mean. It, it's, ne- it's not going to be as effective, especially the amount of effort and the amount of money you have to go into making that size of cast. Yeah. Because when you, know, you look at Lord of the Rings, for example, you get the army of orcs. You stick them all in prosthetics. You get half a dozen who are near the camera who you're going to come back to time and time again. The rest of the 100,000 people, it doesn't matter if they look like shit because they're never going to be in focus. Yeah. If you've got your principal cast, or five, six, or seven-eighths of your principal cast are these CGI characters, you're either going to make, you're either going to say, right, we need a whole CGI product, or you're going to try and shoehorn it into a live-action thing a la Roger Rabbit, and it's not going to fucking work. I think what you end up with is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. Yes. Probably. Yeah. But with CG instead of puppetry, so it's even worse. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's what you end up with. Whereas, like, just fucking animate it. Disney Plus, just just do it. I, I hope more people are watching this on Disney Plus so they get the fucking message. I know a lot of people made a fuss yeah. about it when it was launched. Everybody was very excited that this was on Disney Plus. So yeah. hopefully somebody in the company is getting that message. Well, um, I mean, because yeah, I we... want more of this. Well, that's the you want more of it. But I mean, I even if they don't do more of it, even if they just say, right, we're going to do it justice, we're going to clean it up, we're going to remaster it and issue it the way that people want to see it and that we want people to see it. Because at the end of the day, this is a product they've made, they they spent money on. Yeah, yeah. It's in their interest to keep it, you know, to preserve it and keep it looking as good as they can. Now, they've gone through so much effort. I know what they did with the features. They've gone back and remastered everything. And obviously, they've, they've preserved the archives and stuff like that. There's no reason why they can't do it here. No, I think part of the problem, um, certainly with Disney anyway, is like, yes, the the animated features get remastered every 10 years or so, because then they put a new edition out. You get the diamond edition, then you get the platinum edition, then you get... And so idiots like me go out and rebuy them, because they remaster them, chuck half a dozen new special features on them. And and actually, in some cases, I think they actively make them worse when they scrub them as well. Hmm. Um, Because in some cases, especially some of the older films, you start to lose the detail in the line work when it gets scrubbed. Yeah. Um, you look at the remasters of things like Snow White and Cinderella and yeah. Beauty, those early films, like you really do start to lose detail because they're too artificially clean. Um, but obviously they they re-scrub those and re-release them because right up until very recently, there was a market for that because they're yeah. getting 20 quid out of me every time they re-release it on DVD or Blu-ray. Yeah. But we don't live in that world anymore now. So 
remastering this to put it on Disney Plus doesn't get them anything, does it? That's the problem. It doesn't get yeah. new subscribers because the no, original but... version is already, and they're really bad at that. That is one thing. I think there is a tremendous amount of content on Disney Plus, and a lot of it is really, really high quality, yeah. but they are not good at remastering. Like they just dump it on there. They will just take yeah. it and dump it on there. And I think the problem with that, and obviously it's, it's, their, it's their business model, and as you say, it's, it's, it's not getting them new subscribers. They're not going to get anybody new in by doing that. But actually, if they if there was a grand route saying that we're we're preserving our archive, we're going to we're going to remaster it because once we've remastered it, we've digitized it, it's going to be at least a generation before we have to do it again. Yeah. So we you know we could fix the we could fix the brain, we you know to sharpen up the image and make it look the way it should look, make it look the way it looked when it was drawn. That would be enough. Mm. But as you say, the amount of content they have is a it's a huge amount of effort, it's a huge outlay, it's a huge it's a huge cost. I appreciate that. And it's not going to get them as much as it would by say, you know, redoing Fantasia or redoing um Fox and the Hound, or even some of their no, some of their lesser known fucking products, uh, let alone the big ones. You yeah. get into that and all of a sudden, yeah, people go, Oh fuck, I want to see what they've done with that. I'm gonna you know, I'll I'll spend my six ninety nine or whatever it is this month. I'll yeah. do that. I might if it's if it comes down to it and actually well Netflix is getting kind of boring this month because I've seen everything on it, I'm going to take a month off and go to Disney. I might never come back, and there's there's always a chance that might work. So I, I appreciate you know, that it's not a great deal of incentive for them to do it, but I think for the the quality of product they've got, I think they do it a massive disservice by by not looking after it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's, there's probably a collector's market out there for it. Like, if this if this was to have a really nice collector's edition Blu-ray box set, mm. oh, all over 70, 80 quid for all three seasons, I'll have it. I'll I'll bite your hand off for it. You know, done. But it, take, take my money. Yeah, it's it's whether whether a higher up in the company recognizes what they've got here at the moment. Um, let's say, fair, I, if, if all they're making off is under sixty quid off us, they're not going to bother, are they? And let's be fair, Chapek doesn't know his fucking arsehole from his elbow anyway, no, let alone know true. what he's got his fucking hands on. So yeah. God knows what's going to happen to the Disney company in the next fucking 10 years, let alone remastering Gargoyles. So, yeah. you know, who knows? But I I would definitely be up for a remaster of it. I would be up for a reboot of it if they want to do that. I'd, I'd even more so be up, especially since it's an animated show, just for a continuation yeah. of the original series. Um, but I want more. And, and yeah, as I said, I, I just hope that the you know whatever metrics they're keeping tabs on with disney plus i hope it's showing that there is interest in this show and you know if you've listened to us talk for an hour and a half and you haven't watched it yet then i don't know why you've listened to us for an hour and a half but <laughs> go watch it and discover yeah. what is this absolute fucking gem and just yeah be part of that metric so that someone somewhere can see how good this is yeah. and see that people are interested and then and then do something with it, you know, and, and tell your fucking friends to watch it as well. Yeah. And if they don't want to watch it, just tell them to put it on and leave it for an hour. Yeah. It doesn't fucking matter. Just fucking put it on the telly. And yeah, fuck put it on. Let, 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 it, let it play. Go to, put it on in the morning. Let it play while you go to work. It'll, it'll cycle through the whole lot by the time you come back. Job done. Yeah, you'll be fine. Happy days. And then yeah. we all get more gargoyles. Fuck so, it. yeah, the campaign starts here. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I, I've not really got much else to say on it. I mean, I I came to this show not knowing a lot about it. I say I had vague memories of it uh, as being on. I'd seen bits of it. Um, yeah, I would. Had it not been for the fact that other people came home and got in my way, I'd have still been watching this now from Sunday yeah. afternoon. I'd have just I'd have just sat there. No fuck work, fuck the rest of it. Just I'd have been sat there all day. Um, so yeah, I mean, I fucking loved this show. I didn't expect to. I came to it thinking. 
all right, okay, I'll pass an hour or two. And fuck me, I've got like 60 episodes left to watch. So that's yeah. me for the week. Yeah, I mean, I um, I knew I would like it because I had, I, I knew of it, I'd seen it before and I kind of knew that maybe I haven't quite just given it the, the fair shake that it needed. I, I kind yeah. of liked what I've seen and I knew it was really in sync with with me and my choices and what I like. And so I, I knew there was something in this for me. Uh, even so, it still absolutely floored me. I didn't expect mm. it. I didn't expect it to, to take me quite the way that it did, and so quickly as well. Um, you know, you say we've not got much more to say about it, and we've talked for an hour and a half now. I could go all night. I, I could enthuse about the show. Like we haven't, we haven't properly touched on the cast. We haven't touched on the fact that actually it's got about half the cast of Star Trek: The Next Generation in it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, like there's just so we haven't really even talked about the quality of the animation we've talked a lot about the production design and the colors it's just everything about this show is it's certainly the first season anyway is is just as top draw as entertainment gets and, I, and i'm not talking about animated entertainment or cartoons or anything i'm talking about any other show that you care to put this up against this is top draw tv show this is like it is. It, it's it's up there with Batman. It's shoulder to shoulder with Batman the animated series in terms of animated shows. And yeah, I would definitely put it up there in in my probably my top ten shows of all time. Having watched this now, it's it's that fucking good. And I did not expect that. I expected from yeah. this going, yeah, that was a really good show. I really enjoyed it. And maybe I'll get around to watching more as we yeah. we've done with several shows um, that we've looked at. I didn't expect to to find something that that I would be this fundamentally attached to. Yeah, within within five episodes, it, it, like it it absolutely bowled me over. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd I, agree with that. And, and I know I'm going to rewatch this many many times now. This is going to be a favorite of mine. This is going to be a new obsession. Yeah. So yeah, I I cannot recommend it enough. If you saw it originally, and and you loved it, then I'm sure I don't need to tell you to go back and watch. It. I don't think anybody that loves this show loves it a little bit. I think this is a show that people really oh, yeah. take to their heart. So if you're one of those people, then God bless you. We're part of your club now. Um, <laughs> if you're not and you haven't really exposed yourself to this yet, or maybe you've only watched bits and you're unsure of it, then if we haven't convinced you already, then please just give those first five episodes yeah. a chance. And I I fail to see how anybody can dislike those first five episodes, because if you if you like filmed entertainment in any way, shape or form, yeah. if you like popular film, then this is just one of the best examples of yeah. screen storytelling I think you will find. It's got everything and it executes it all really, really well. So, yeah, just go and give it a go. You will not be sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've we've come to this slightly cold and it's absolutely taken us aback. But if you have recollections of this, if you if you love the show or if you hated the show, I can't imagine why you would. But we'd let know again. We'd, we'd love to know what people's perspective on it, what people's memories are. So please get in touch um, on Twitter at SMPDPod. You can go to our website, ddpodcast.net, where you can pick up our previous episodes and other shows as well. Uh, on Facebook and YouTube with the Double M Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts from, be it iTunes, uh, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, etc. Uh, like, share, subscribe, leave some message, and we'll get back to you as best we can. Uh, but until next time. See you later.